can just share your word, share your ways, and just share your life with people around us. And God, we pray that you multiply this seed, God. It, you know, Mike, usually you see him breaking bricks and bending bars and blowing up hot water bottles and different things like that. Well, I don't know that he's going to do that this morning, kind of in the physical. That's not the plan. But I believe he's going to do it in the spirit. In the spirit, he's going to be breaking uh, some spiritual bricks this morning. He's going to bend some spiritual bars this morning. And uh, I'd just like us to give Mike a warm welcome, welcome as he comes to share God's word with us this morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Let's see, I've got every boy's dream job. I get to break stuff for a living, and I don't get in trouble for it. How many, uh, how many of you, this is uh, your first time uh, hearing me speak? Here. Okay, there's a few. All right, I've got a book here. It's called Mike Benson, More Than a Conqueror. I'm going to give you a copy. Who, who else is a first time First time? Oh, you guys? Oh, yeah, you guys didn't raise your hand, huh? What's up with that, huh? All right, I see how it goes. You get a free book, and then their hands go up like crazy, huh? Well, for those of you who are not familiar uh, with me, I'm, like Pastor Tom said, the team captain of the Conquerors International Strength Team. I'm also the in-house evangelist here at Resurrection Life Church. I've got uh, quite a, Kira, pretty cool testimony. I spent 11 years of my life in prison. I got my first bank robbery at the age of 16, or illegal withdrawal from a financial institution. Want to put a white-collar bend to it. <laughs> and I wrote the book uh, just for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to reach people with the gospel. I'm an evangelist. That's what my passion is, and uh, that's what I live for, is winning souls. This year has been a really good year for us. The Lord has blessed us with his grace and his anointing, and we've seen over 28,000 people this year make decisions for Jesus Christ, surrender their lives to Jesus. And in the last 12 years, we've had over 300,000 people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ through the preaching of the gospel. So we call that a good start. We've got a goal. We've got two more years to make it. We've got a goal for a million souls. And uh, we know that we don't have the power to do it, but he does. So I like, I love it when I get to speak to men because we are the keepers of the gates to our city. And, you know, our country's in trouble right now. Don't take a rocket scientist to figure that one out. Our country is in trouble. And God, if he were to come down right now, he would not hold anybody in Washington responsible. That may seem like a revelation. You think, oh, no, he's going to come down with fire and brimstone and burn up that place. No, no. Because they don't have the authority, the true authority. Those who have authority have responsibility, and the church has authority in this nation and on this word, earth, right? Yeah? And so he's holding the church responsible for what's happening in this nation. Um, you know, as the head goes, so goes the rest of the body. And uh, I, want, I got a message for you this morning. It's called the United States of the Gadarenes. And I'm going to get right into this. In Mark 5, 1 through 10, it says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, the country of the Gadarenes. 
And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When, G, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he, he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion. For we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Demons are very territorial. And it's up to the church to take care of the demonic activities in our areas. It starts with our home, obviously, our community, our state, and then our nation. And those demonic forces, they like they like territory. They're very territorial. Now notice, the shackles and chains could not deal with this demonic man. Man's attempts at dealing with these problems, like I watched the news yesterday, everybody heard about, obviously, that horrible shooting in Texas, and they're on there trying to psychoanalyze them, and uh, there's a couple commentators on there who nailed it on the spot, and they said, that was demonic. That's exactly what it was. And man's uh, pop psychology has no answer for the demonic. They don't know how to stop it. Only the power of God has the answer and the solution to this problem. And, but notice that when Jesus showed up, the demons started begging. <laughs> the presence of God torments the demonic. They hate the presence of God. They don't hate religious activity. They don't hate our functions, but they hate the presence of God. They're threatened only by people who are carriers of the presence of God. In the Old Testament, his presence was carried in an ark. In the New Testament, we're the arks. We are carriers of the presence of the living God. Now, I want to give you a little historical context. This is the land of the Gadarenes. This was a land named after one of the tri uh, tribes of Israel, which was the tribe of Gad. And uh, we're going to look in Numbers 32, 1 through 5. It says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar, the priests, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, Aaron, all these other guys, the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. So, Israel's about to go into the promised land and take the promise that God gave them. And these guys from Gad and a couple other tribes, they came to Moses and they said, Look, man, we're not backing out. We're down. We're going to fight. 
we're gonna we're we're going to war with you, but when it's all said and done, we want to hang back on this side of the Jordan because this place will make us a lot of money. And so they were like, okay, go ahead. And so what they did is they compromised. Instead of going over the river into the land of promise, they wanted to hang back where it was comfortable. They wanted to hang back where they could set up shop and business. And the land was good for livestock, but it lacked the presence of God. The presence of God is in the promised land. And they chose the produce of the land over the presence of God. Compromise is a door to the demonic. You don't have to light black candles, draw pentagrams, sacrifice chickens, do incantations to open the door to the enemy. All we have to do is compromise our integrity, compromise the word of God that we know, and we open a door for the enemy to come right into our lives. And I'm here to tell you, man, a lot of times we struggle over things and we're looking for this big revelation or this big thing, but a lot of times God takes us back to the last thing he told us to do and that we failed to do. Obedience opens the door to the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Now, the, the tribe of Gad became border believers. They worshiped God at a distance. But they chose the temporary over the eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 2 Corinthians 5.7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Our nation has become a culture of stuff. We are all about the stuff. I mean, we got people standing in lines to pay $1,000 for the newest iPhone. <laughs> that thing, that thing will be old news in a year or two, and they'll be standing in line for another thing. And this nation, this culture has replaced the presence of God with the God of the stock market. Okay? It's kind of ironic that in God we trust is printed on the God that we really trust in this culture. Money. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm telling you this, and most of you know about this, but it's up to us to do something about it. Culture is going to change when the men of this church and the men of the church rise up, take their places of authority, put out the enemy, and establish a kingdom of righteousness. These are supposed to be heaven on earth, right? The kingdom of God upon us. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is upon you. That's what we are supposed to do. We are ambassadors for Christ. Now, the madman is a reflection of our culture. Notice he was in the mountains and in the tombs. Our culture is fascinated with death. Fascinated with the occult, psychic hotlines, medium TV shows. We got shows like The Twilight, Walking Dead. We even got one called Lucifer, who makes the, the, the devil look all cool and sleek. I, I haven't watched it, but I've seen some previews of it. Our culture is fascinated with death. Proverbs eleven nineteen: as righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. That's true for an individual, and that's true for a culture overall. 
If we keep pursuing evil, we're pursuing it to our own death. We have a culture that's very violent. It's funny how Hollywood glorifies violence and murder, and then they're scratching their head why people are committing atrocities and mass shootings in our country. That's because the devil's nuts. He ain't never been right. Jesus wounded him in his head. He's got some head trauma. The presence of God produces the power of God. Notice in Mark 11 uh, through 13, Mark 11 through 13, now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains, so all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. The presence of God causes demons to beg for permission. Notice, they couldn't do anything they wanted to do anymore. Their days of tormenting that man were over the minute Jesus showed up on the scene. There's people that we know in our circles, at our places of employment, in our community, who are being ravaged by the enemy. And Jesus has given them a miracle. But that miracle is inside of you. And fear is probably the number one roadblock to us. You see, God God revealed himself to us so he could reveal himself through us. We are living epistles. I love the word of God. I'm all about the word of God. I love it. I, it is the, 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 the foundation of everything in a believer's life. It is the living word of God. It is, is the guidebook to life. But we are supposed to be living the word of God. Memorizing scripture is awesome. That's great for you. But in order for other people to experience the Lord, we're going to have to live out what the word says. Luke 10, 19, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. As Jesus walked this earth, so are we to walk this earth. Jesus went through some hostile crowds where they tried to stone him. And I don't know how he did it if he had a force field around him or whatever, but he just walked right on through and they never laid a hand on him. He was supernatural. I'll never forget, we are now in Albania. Our, our ministry does a lot of traveling. We've been to 36 different nations. And me and Yago, uh, Yago Williams, some of you know him. He heads up the prison ministry here at Resurrection Life. And uh, we were in Albania. And we got to Albania, and we're, our driver's taking us to our hotel, and he's like, oh, well, there's a little political situation going on. And I'm like, oh, yeah, really, what's going on? Well, the president was the mafia's president, and he got ousted, and he said, there's been some car bombings. We're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Way to greet us, buddy. <laughs> so we get to our hotel. We're getting settled in, and we're in there, and the whole hotel, boom, just shook. I mean, it was, we were two blocks down from the government headquarters, and uh, 
Iago walked in there, and he's like, oh, man. <laughs> Look on his eyes like, <laughs> And I said, don't worry, man. I said, God did not send us all the way over here to get blowed up by a car bomb. He sent us over here to preach the gospel. That's what we're going to do, and nothing's going to harm us. Trust me, I've asked the Lord, yeah. The Lord will, the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. And I know I don't have the call of martyr on my life. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd have grace and peace about it. <laughs> but I wanted to get home to my kids. <laughs> but the power of God, nothing shall by any means harm you. We are like Teflon in the spiritual realm. Whether we know that or not. But yet we're afraid more, not of violence in this nation. Well, some of you, we, we may have issue to fear violence, but we're afraid of what other people think about us. Who cares? Who cares what they think? Who cares if they call you a Bible thumper, a fanatic, a holy roller? Yep, I'm, I'm, I'm all them above. Hmm. Mark 5.15. The presence of God produces the peace of God. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting in clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Hmm. This dude was sitting in clothed in his right mind. He had the shalom of the Lord, peace, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. The presence of God produces the peace of God. When the presence of God manifests, it changes the spiritual atmosphere of an individual in his mind and corporately in a whole region. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Now, if your mind is stayed on the bills and the bank account and the bottom line and what about this and all the problems, there's a reason why there's no peace in that. But if your mind is stayed on the Lord, there's peace in every storm. It doesn't matter what storm comes your way, you have the peace of God. That itself is a witness to this lost and dying world. Because when you're in a situation that seems impossible, that everybody else is folding up and freaking out about, and they look at you and they say, how can you, how can you be so peaceful? Hey, man, it's all good. None of this stuff is mine anyway. It's all his. I'm just a steward. Hmm. Paul said, I've learned to be a base and I've learned to have much. It didn't matter to him, his outward condition. What mattered was his inward condition. Now, I'm going to show you a video here in a minute. I'm going to give you an example. A few years ago, we, were, we do a lot of school assemblies. And... This particular school assembly was supposed to be a big deal because we had hired a videographer to come and do some video for us. And under the circumstances, I couldn't get none of my guys. You know, when we, when we go to do a video, we, wanna, we, wanna, we want all hands on deck. We want four or five guys. We want to make a good video. And I could only find one guy to go with me. And to be honest with you, I did not want to go and do the school assembly. It's uncharacteristic of me, but I didn't want to do it. I don't know if I was being lazy or whatever, but I just did not want to do it. It was in Saginaw. It was a drive, and uh, so I, I called my last hope for a teammate if he could come and make it, and he said, sure, I can go, and I was like, oh, man, <laughs> come on, dude. 
So we go, we get our videographer, we go, and we go to this high school. And how many of y'all know that uh, you can tell the atmosphere of a high school when you walk in and there's metal detectors? <laughs> so we go in there and we're getting in the gym and we're getting set up. And the principal, she comes walking across the gym floor and she's, she's got this look of concern on her face. And she says, I wish I would have got a hold of you before you got here. I tried calling, but I couldn't get a hold of you. And I'm like, really? Why? What's going on? She said, I would have canceled this assembly. I said, why? And she said, we had a student get shot on campus yesterday. He was shot and killed. And there's a little turf war going on, and, and tensions are very high here. And uh, I don't know. I can't guarantee what's going to happen here today. I said, oh, okay. It's all good. We got it. And I went to my house like, oh, man. <laughs> Now, let me be transparent with you. My mind was not full of peace at that time. I had all these thoughts growing through my head like, man, maybe, I, maybe I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit. Maybe I don't want to really go because he's trying to compel me not to go. And now I put myself and my teammate and the videographer in danger. So all this stuff is going through my head. But in my heart, the Spirit of God rose up, and I just grabbed Andrew, and I grabbed Eric, and I said, let's pray, guys. And, and we just prayed a simple prayer. Father God, you knew this day was going to be here. We just ask you to show up at this place. We plead the blood of Jesus over it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. That was it. So they all come in, and, and, uh, and you, you watch the video. Go ahead and play that video. I am a ninth grade teacher here at Saginaw High. We just had the Carkers here, and I sat and I saw the assembly, and I was very impressed with the assembly, and I started walking down the hall, and a typical assembly here at Saginaw High is a bit chaotic afterwards, but I noticed a piece of God walking down the hall, and I'm walking, and I'm like, Lord, why is it so peaceful? And then my mind went back to what he said about the books. I said, oh, these are some Christian brothers and sisters. And so I had to turn around and come back and let them know that whatever they're doing, whatever prayers are going forth for this school, it, it worked and it will continue to work because I sense God's presence when I walked out of this room today. And I just had to share that testimony. God bless you. Yeah. So... We went in there, and I, and I, I just I came out, out of the gate on. I came unglued on those students. I took a hard approach to them, which is uncharacteristic also. And uh, you could hear a pin drop in there. And then everyone's leaving, and I'm basically going, Phew, everything went by smooth. And so we're packing up, getting ready to go, and all of a sudden a teacher walks in. And they're looking like this. They're, go they're going like this, and they're looking around. And, and then another teacher walks in. And then another teacher walks in. Then this teacher comes in, and she, she comes right up to us. And she says, I, I have been working here for almost 30 years, and I have never had these halls as quiet as they are right now. She said, there's students weeping by their lockers because the presence of God came and changed the atmosphere of that place. Simple prayer. Believers, carriers of the presence of God, change the atmosphere. 
So from that, we coined a new term called presence evangelism. That the government may stop us and we obedient to the scripture which says obey the governing authorities. They may be able to stop us from preaching the word and saying his name, but nobody can stop him from showing up. Nobody. So you remember that at your place of employment. When people are persecuting you, people are get, putting you down, they may be able to stop you from preaching. And no, don't go, don't be getting on a soapbox and preaching against and get fired. <laughs> but what you can do is you can pray. You've got a powerful weapon in the realm of the spirit, and you can manifest the presence of God anywhere you want to. Anywhere you want to, especially where they don't want God. <laughs> So how do you manifest the presence of God? I'll give you two simple ways you manifest the presence of God. Anywhere you go, anytime. You can be shopping at Myers and manifest the presence of God. We got to clean up in aisle seven. <laughs> Number one, prayer. Acts 4.31. This was after they were threatened, by the way. By the officials, they were beaten and said never to preach in this name again. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That's not a metaphor. That's not an allegory. That's the truth. When the scripture says the place was shaken, that means it literally shook. It was like earthquake. God's presence showed up. And they went out and preached the word of God with boldness. And the second way is praise, prayer and praise. When you praise the Lord, it drives the enemy nuts. It sends confusion in the enemy's camp, and he cannot stand it. You will literally, I, I, we were doing a, uh, a school assembly, and unfortunately, some of the worst school assemblies we've ever done have been quote-unquote, Christian schools. We were in McBain, and we were doing a, this school assembly, and we went in there, and these kids, I mean, they were deader than doornails. I mean, they were just sitting there like that and all that, and, and we brought our A game. We were doing, we were breaking two baseball bats. We were doing world-class stuff in there. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at these teachers, and they're up there like this, you know, and Basically, in, the, in, the, in, in my spirit, I could discern I was in a pharisaical environment, a very highly religious environment. And so when it came time for the message, I said, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so I started, I went straight for the jugular, and uh, I did an altar call, and like four students came up bawling. And I could literally, I saw these two teachers, they were sitting there, they were literally going, gnashing their teeth. I, I used to read that in the scripture all the time. I said, man, I, I, told, I told the guy I was with, I was like, man, they're gnashing their teeth at us. <laughs> Either that or they got something caught in their dentures or something. I don't know, but they're gnashing their teeth at us. <laughs> we got them riled up here, boys. <laughs> the enemy cannot stand the truth of God. He can't stand praying believers, and he can't stand praising believers. And that prayer and praise isn't just for Sunday or Tuesday morning. That's for every single waking minute of the day. Mm. Psalm 22, 3, he inhabits the praise, 
praises of his people. You start to praise God. You're in the midst of a situation. I'll never forget when we were first starting in ministry. The first seven years of ministry was literally a walk of faith. And uh, my wife and I, we had, you know, when, when I got called to ministry, my wife was making really good money. I was not making any money. And we just bought a house pregnant with our, with our first child. And the Lord told me, quit your job, have her quit her job, and go into full-time ministry with no guaranteed income. Woohoo! So we did it. We jumped in. Never forget one time I was in the basement and and my wife was she she was she was she was not happy she was very distressed and distraught we were four months behind on our mortgage they were ready to foreclose on us I was in the bathroom I'll never forget I was so tempted in my flesh to be angry and say why God and then my my spirit just rose up. I just went out there, I grabbed her, and, and I just prayed with her, and we just started praising the Lord. And literally, two minutes after that, bang, 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 a knock at the door. We came, a gentleman came to our door and said, let me and I got to do this quick. And we we're like, what's going on? He gave us four checks for four grand. Just met all the needs right there. Bam, sealed everything up. And I believe it's because God knows our heart and he brings us, he lets, allows us into these times to prepare us for the glory that he's going to reveal in and through us. But if we can't handle some adverse circumstances, he can't trust us with his glory. Mm-hmm. Hmm? 2 Chronicles 20, 22, as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. They were like, we don't even have to go to battle. We don't have to pick up a sword or a spear. We just start praising the Lord and the Lord will win the battle for us. And he set ambushes against them. You know, but we, especially as men, we're so focused on our pigs, our shortcomings, our issues, our sin, our, our, our fleshly inclinations and desires and patterns of habit. We're so focused on them, and we're always praying about them and praying for God to remove them. But if we just shift our focus onto him, let the presence of God invade our lives through prayer and praise, then he'll push the pigs right out of your life. If you got pigs in your life, let's make some bacon. Amen? Let's make some bacon. Don't cry to get the pigs out of your life. Practice his presence, and you'll forget about them. I tell you, I've struggled with some things my whole life, Man, I had I, man, I had some rough time in ministry, and I and more I was focused on. They seemed to increase. Sin's power comes from the law. And it's not just the thou shall not and thou shall not. If you are sitting there saying I can't do this because I'm not supposed to, because you just made a law unto yourself, and you've empowered sin. But if you get to a point where you're so enamored and raptured with the presence of God, with spending time with Jesus, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, it won't be I can't because I'm not supposed to. It'll be I don't want to because I desire what he has more. 
I desire what God has for me more than what my flesh or this world can provide for me. Revival starts with repentance. Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people, he's talking to believers, my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. It doesn't say if they will pray and do my work. It doesn't say if they will humble themselves and start preaching, start witnessing. It says if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Healing in America is going to come when the body of believers humble themselves Repent and seek the face of God. That's, that's, that's the answer to our nation right there. That's what our nation needs. Repentance is simply changing your mind. Now, I've ministered to a lot of people, and I, I've got this a lot. Well, I just can't seem to get past this thing, whether it's lust or it's a substance or stuff. You know, those are the no-brainers, okay? Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that the substances we put in our body can kill us. The pornography can destroy our souls, destroy marriages, things like that. But there are hidden sins of covetousness, greed, anger, unforgiveness, Unforgiveness is a killer. It will create a root of bitterness in any man or woman, and it will cut you off from the power of God. It will cut you off from the life that belongs to you, and the enemy will eat your lunch. And I know this morning that some of you, you're cut to the heart. Like when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost, and they were like, what's going on? And he gave this message, and the men were cut to the heart, and they said, men and brethren, what, 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 what do we got to do? He said, repent. Times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord when we repent. That's all. When we make a decision in our hearts that whatever you've been focused on or whatever you've allowed to have lordship in your life is no longer going to have lordship in your life because it's not your life, it's his. And it's going to take a step of faith and it's going to take a step of boldness. So I'd like everybody here to bow your heads and close your eyes. I ask you to close your eyes because I want you to get alone with that place where you think nobody sees or hears what's going on. But the Lord does. He knows your heart. And here's the fact, one day, one way, every single one of us in the hearing of my voice, we're going to leave these bodies. We're going to stand before God, the creator of heaven and earth. He's not going to whip out cosmic scales, put all your good deeds on one side, all your bad deeds on the other side. He's going to look us in the eyes. Every one of us is going to ask us one question, one question that's going to determine eternity. Do you know my son and does my son know you? That's the question right there. 
all of eternity hangs on the answer to that question. And if you're honest in your heart right now and you say, Mike, I really don't know him. I know a lot about him. I know a lot of Bible verses. I've been to church, but I don't have intimate fellowship and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I got good news for you this morning. This morning, you can. One decision of your heart to change your life, change your eternity forever. So if that's you, no looking around. This is between you and the Lord. I'm not going to have you come up here or anything like that. But if you're, will, if you're ready to surrender your heart and give your heart to Jesus Christ, on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand and raise it high. One, two, three. Slip up your hand. Everybody here is good to go. Good, good, good. Okay. This is the second thing I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do. I want everybody to look at me. No more bowed heads, closed eyes. If there's something in your life that you know that you need to repent of, you know you, you need to, I want you to come up here right now. Come on up here. Come on. Come on. Yeah, give them a round of applause, guys. Encourage them, man. Come on. Yeah, come on. Mm. <laughs> oh, no, there's a few more of you guys. I'm a pushy evangelist. Come on. Yeah, come on. Give him a round of applause. Come on. There's like four more guys. Good. Good man. Good man. <laughs> Come on, give him a round of applause. Somebody's out there and you're 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 on the verge. You're on the verge. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Yeah. Good man, good man, good man. All right. There's one, there's one more person. There you go. There you go. Give him a round of applause. All right. All right, Holy Spirit says good to go. It's good to go. All right, guys. Um, you standing here 
is faith in action. You responded. Faith has action to it. It's not just believing in a system or a dogma. It's really, you know, when it's time to put up or shut up. You, and just you standing up here, I know many of you are getting freedom right now from making that simple act of stepping up. The woman of the issue of blood said, if I just touch the hem of his garments, I'll be made whole. Jesus didn't have to pray over her. There wasn't a, a five-point sermon that she listened to beforehand. There wasn't, you know, anybody had to explain everything. She acted in faith, and you men have acted in faith. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And when I get to the point, I'm going to say, I choose to repent of, then I'm just going to shut up, and I want you guys to confess whatever it is. You can do it under your breath, however you want to do it. If you want to shout it to the rooftops, it's, it's all good. It's not my business. It's yours and the Lord's business. And then I'm going to pray afterward for times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Everybody cool with that? You guys, you know what to do. Start praying. Ready? Okay, let's pray. Repeat this after me. Say, Father God, thank you that you love me so much that you died for me to give me life. Father, in my heart of hearts, I seek intimacy with you. I want to walk in your presence. But I have to admit, there are some things that I need to repent of. So I choose. This is not a feeling. I choose to repent of, go ahead and name it. Father God, I turn my back. I'm living for myself. And from this day forward, by your grace,